Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, April the 29th, 2022. It is currently 3.19 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live two stories above a street right here in Abilene, Texas. And that street right now, well, it, it's about 100 degrees. Well, it's, it's about 96 degrees, I think, outside. So it's a very warm day here in West Texas. Here in this second floor room, well, it, it's nice and cool right now. It, it's nice and cool right now. But the minute I go live, I have to turn off the air conditioning unit behind me because I feel that it makes too much noise and it really ruins uh, the sound quality of a live broadcast or of a recorded broadcast once this is uploaded and uh, sent to all of the podcasting apps. So, so it, I, it, it always starts off so wonderful, so great. And then by the time I get 30 minutes, 40 minutes into a broadcast, I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, okay, I, I have sweat pouring off my head and I'm like, this, this is, this is no fun anymore. And at that point, I'm not even thinking about what I'm saying. So it's not always the perfect situation, but I would rather do a little bit of sweating so that you can have the best audio experience that you can. Most of you probably wouldn't even notice if I left the air conditioning unit on, but I would notice and I would hear it. So we turn that off. But I know you don't care about any of that. But we are going to turn back to a very important discussion that we had on, we see, I have the date right here. We talked about this subject on, where is it? April the 27th, 2022. April the 27th, 2022. I turned on this microphone to really ask a question. Why are Christians so mean? Why is it that so many times that, that, that there are Christians who are, can be just absolute jerks? They are rude, they're cold, they're mean. It's just like, and in some cases that you feel like that there are some of the most miserable people on planet Earth. Why is that the case? And I, and we, we had this discussion because of an article that was posted I think it was crosswalk.com. I can't remember the source of the original article, but we started talking about it because of the article, but I took a completely different approach. The article tried to say, here's some possible reason, here's some possible reasons, plural, that Christians can be so mean. But I started in a very different way. I started by reminding everyone, this is very important, that I believe, and I believe this is true, that there are really three different Christianities, that these Christianities exist, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And there's three different ones. One is the Christianity that is sold, the one that is sold, the one that is marketed. And this is the Christianity that we, you know, preach from the pulpit. This is the Christianity that we, we try to put forth maybe in our evangelism and our witnessing and our marketing. And this is a Christianity that seems to indicate, hey, when you become a Christian, Look at how, how wonderful people are who become Christians. They, you know, it's the husband and the wife with the two kids and the dog and the white picket fence. Everyone is smiling. Everything is wonderful. The husband never says anything mean to the wife. The wife never says anything mean to the husband. And the kids are obedient. And it's, a, it's this wonderful, beautiful life. If you follow Christ, you'll have this wonderful, beautiful life. 
And if you even look on church websites and any any marketing, they always, even even when they show a small group, it's all of these perfect looking people, perfect hair, perfect teeth, perfect clothes, all sitting around a group, all smiling and happy. Because we always market Christianity that if you come to Christ, everything's wonderful, everything is great, and you become the best version of yourself that you can be. You become wonderful. That's the Christianity that is sold. And what goes with this concept, I believe, is a misinterpretation, a misapplication of that scripture, you know it, that says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away, all things have become new. The pro- Everyone quotes that as if that is a verse that is speaking of a reality that we experience practically, that practically anyone who becomes a Christian, all the old is gone and everything is new. And then we immediately turn around after we preach that and say, however, no one's going to be perfect and we still have a sin nature. Well, the minute you acknowledge we still have a sin nature, well, then not the old is not gone and everything hasn't become new because we're still sinners and we still have a sinful nature. So we promote a Christianity that in many cases, we turn around and deny an other teaching, and clearly, we deny it in our own lives if we're open and honest. So there's a Christianity that is sold. There is a Christianity that is pretended. In the church, it is very common within the Christian world that we always have to pretend that we are godly, we are holy, we are right. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is unholy. Everyone else is ungodly. It's the big, bad, ugly world out there. But we, we've we got it all together. If the world could just be like the church, we, we, we and, and then everyone walks into church and we have to pretend that we have it all together. We, we, we can't be very real and very honest. Now, many Christians will claim that's not true, but in general, this is what happens. So we have the Christianity that is sold, the Christianity that I say is pretended, and then we have the reality, the reality that we find in the world of Christianity. And the reality is, is that Christians sin and fight and gossip and slander and stab each other in the back and lie and and churches split and horrible things happen within Christian marriages that fall apart and there's divorce and there's domestic uh, disputes and violence. And I mean, you go on and on. There's horrible things that happen within churches, on Christian, on the campuses of Christian universities. There is brokenness and sin. That is the reality. And that reality until we acknowledge it, accept it, and struggle with it, we will never really change much because we, instead of trying to deal with the reality, we want to go back and just pretend everything is good and market Christianity, I think, in, in a way that really doesn't even reflect true Christianity because true Christianity is this. You are a sinner. God is holy. You will never, ever be able to obey and live up to the standard which God demands. So salvation is not based on what, on what you do. It's based on what Christ did. And you are saved by faith, by grace, because of Christ. And by faith, you have given to, or you have imputed to you 
the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. Your standing before God is not based on your practical righteousness, but on the imputed righteousness of Christ, which is perfect. And and the struggle of Christianity is that we try to live out in any way, shape, or form and practice what is true in our position. In our position, we are holy, we are righteous, and we are perfect. But we try to live it out, but it will always be done imperfectly. So guess what? We may be rude, we may be condescending, we may be arrogant. There's all these flaws that's going to be inside of us, and we have to acknowledge that reality. Now, the reason I started our discussion with all of that in mind is because the article that I was reading ignored that. It it just ignored the reality of our sin, the reality of our depravity, and it it started naming some other reasons why there, there are mean Christians. I'm not going to go back and review all of those. You can go listen to that episode. So why am I talking about it today on this Friday, April the 29th? Because I received email. And whenever I receive email, the email typically moves to the top of the stack. And that's what we talk about. So I received an email, well, putting forth their idea, some of their concepts, and trying to answer the question, why are there mean Christians? So I'm going to just work through some of the email. I'm not going to read every single part exactly as it is written, because some of it kind of refers to some uh, some situations in their life, and I want to be very careful not to, to share anything in a way. So this person emailed me on April the 28th at 9.49 p.m., all right? So last night, so in less than 24 hours... Here we are in front of the microphone on this Friday afternoon, and we're going to talk about it. Are you ready? Why are, the, why are Christians so mean? Here we go. Thank you so much for your podcast recently on mean Christians. I'm doing some healing of hurts caused by the marketing sold type of Christianity, and I'm not going to go any further there. Um, and they're, uh, they're working on, lear- on leaning on the Lord to forgive them despite their continued coldness and treatment of me. And also speaking with a Christian counselor about these things, it's hard work, but God is teaching me so much. So this person has clearly experienced some hurts caused by the marketing sold type of Christianity. That They don't go into any details there, so I can't specifically say how this occurred I'm just going to speculate and how this may occur in other situations. You become a Christian and you you come you become a Christian because of what's been marketed, what's been sold. So you have a certain expectation. You have a certain perception of the way it's going to be within the church. And then you enter into the church. In many cases you lower down, you lower your defenses. You may kind of lower, you may take down your walls because you're like, okay, these are Christians. These people are supposed to love and they turn the other cheek and they're forgiving and they're compassionate and they will always be there to help you. And you just have this perception that that's the way it's going to be. And remember, you're told almost from the start, 
Remember, you're a new creature. Old is gone. Everything is new. You're like, well, that is true of me. That's true of all the other people in this church. And if the old is gone, that means these people are going to be godly and holy and righteous. And so you kind of go into it. That's the way it's going to be. And it doesn't take long that all of a sudden, oh, oh, what was, ow, what was, ow. What was that? No, nothing is actually happening to me. I'm, I'm acting this out. Okay, I'm thinking, wait, they can't visually see what's going on. I'm acting like someone is stabbing me in the back. Oh, right there. Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah. And then you don't have to be a Christian very long. And all of a sudden you realize the knives come out and you get stabbed in the back and people are gossiping and slandering and judging you and condemning you. And, and, and it just, and it doesn't take long. You're like, wait a minute, this, this feels eerily like it did in the world. It's just in the world. No one put on any pretense. No one dressed themselves. They basically, yeah, I'm a jerk. What are you going to do about it? Where in the church is like, no, I'm godly. You're the sinner. You're the problem. And he's like, wait, wait, what, what, what just happened here? So I think many Christians come into it because of what's sold. And then they, they lower their defenses and boom, they get punched in the face. They, they, in a sense, they have their arms up to protect themselves. They're like, oh, well, these are all new creatures. The old is gone. Everything is new. And you lower that. And then not only do you get punched in the face, what you may also, what can be very disturbing to you is you're like, well, I'm a new creature. The old is gone. And then you realize you do some of these similar things and you're doing these things to other people. And you're like, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm a new creature. The old is gone. Why does the old keep showing up? Because again, that idea is completely wrong. It's not speaking of what's true practically. It's It's speaking of what's true positionally. So, so I think I can see why this can lead to some major problems and hurts. Next paragraph. At the part where the article, now they're referring to the news article that I was reading during uh, the, the first broadcast on this subject. Again, you can go back to April the 27th. You can find it. I think it's in our series, Eye on Christianity, and that's easy to find on the Church One app. If you, if you want to be able to find all of our series, that's really, uh, that's the app I tell you to download. Church O-N-E, Church O-N-E, download the app, uh, Apple or Android. Once the app is downloaded, just type in Theology Central, and it turns that app into the Theology Central app because it's a generic app that can be used by all kinds of different broadcasters. But it turns into our app, then you go to our series, you'll see Eye on Christianity, and those are those are broadcasts that where I'm turning my eye onto what's going on in the world of Christianity, all right? So, that that's just it just makes it easy because I'll get an email going. Well, I'm trying to find that broadcast on this app or this app or this app. And I look, use whatever works, but I'm just saying an easy way where everything is broken into specific series is the Church One app. All right. We are also creating playlists on uh, YouTube, um, trying to uh, make that work as well. And uh, someone's been helping me with that. But you can, yeah. But that, I'm just trying to give you easy access to things. All right, here we go. So at the part where the article mentioned that perhaps churches and pulpit messages were neglecting human emotion, that it slandered the emotional world, labeling feelings as liars, alienating us from our emotions. Wow, this really rang true with me. Now, I don't know in which way it rang true to this specific person. We, we did, 
we did discuss this, that the article tried to make an argument that may be part of the problems why Christians are kind of so mean and their, their attitudes can be so bad is because the church, according to this article, has a tendency to basically say, look, you can't trust your emotions. They're liars. Just stay away from them. Therefore, no one within the church is in tune with their emotions. They just kind of ignore their emotions, even though those emotions are, can be very, well, responsible and leading you to wrong action. Now, I don't know if that, um, I struggle with that in this way. Let me make sure I, I explain this because I'm not sure, I'm not sure if everyone understood my point at this, when I said I'm not so sure about this. I'm not so sure that a, a church which preaches and teaches that you cannot trust your emotions, your emo- emotions are deceitful and they will mislead you. I'm not so sure that that kind of teaching immediately leads Christians to then just disconnect from their emotions, ignore their emotions, and therefore they act, they, they, they don't think about their emotions, even though they find themselves acting according to them, which then makes them mean, jerks, cold, condescending, but they never bother to check and go, wait a minute, is my attitude, is my emotions right here? Because somehow, because they've been told that emotions are deceptive and you can't trust them, they just disregard all emotion and never consider it or judge it or analyze it. I, that's where I feel the disconnect is. I just, I don't know if I can say, hey, I preached a sermon. Listen, everyone, you can't trust your emotions. They're liars. So then people get up out of the pew. They walk out and Monday at work, they're a jerk to someone but and they don't realize it because in their minds, well, I don't, I don't listen to my emotions. I just ignore it. I, that that I think is a major. This is a an issue of this cause and effect kind of argument. And cause and effect can be very difficult to prove because of this. Then the effect is this. I I don't know. Um, I'm not so sure about that that cause and effect. Let's see what they have to say here. Right. I know at this point you express that you were not sure how true or biblical that idea might be. Now, let me stop right here. What I, what I don't believe is biblical, listen to me, is I don't believe it's necessarily, well, I think what I did is I disregarded or disagreed in part or at least questioned what the article was claiming. The article was claiming the reason there are mean Christians is because the church teaches people that you can't trust their emotions. That is what I don't agree with. I completely believe that you cannot trust your emotions because I believe your emotions will mislead you, they will deceive you, and they will, they, they will, uh, you'll live your life on a roller coaster. I am completely, I completely believe you cannot trust your emotions. I'm not convinced that if I teach you that, it, that the teaching of not trusting your emotions creates a disconnect where then Christians are out there acting on their emotions, but they don't realize it. I, that's where I'm, I, I have a disagreement. I, I believe that you cannot trust your emotions. I believe emotions and feelings are deceptive and misleading, and here's the reason why. First, your emotions and your feelings arise from within you, and guess what is inside of you? a depraved, sinful nature. 
Therefore, whatever arises from within us is tainted and corrupted in some way, shape, or form by the depravity that resides within us. Therefore, I can't trust those feelings and emotions. That's why I completely reject any kind of Christianity that says, oh, I try to feel what God is telling me. I try to follow how God is leading me. No, because those are relying on emotions and feelings that come from within me, which they are just by definition corrupted. That's why I believe God has given us his revelation in written form, which is outside of me, right? Pure, holy, and I am to tr- read that and not read it on basis of my emotion or how I feel about it, but based on rules of language, words, hermeneutics, based off interpretive principles, not on feelings, because feelings will always mislead. That is my, I, I, I do stand by that. I just don't believe that teaching is what creates mean Christians. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not convinced of that. They go on to say this. But when I heard that, this is what the person says, but when I heard that, my mind flashed on the idea from James 1.15. I'm going to, let's just look at James 1.15. The book of James. Let's see where they go with this. James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 15. I'm going to go back to verse 14. James chapter 1, verse 14, because I think it provides good context. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now, this demonstrates that the lust is, is inside of us. The lust is inside of us because the sinful nature is inside of me. Look, the sinful nature never goes away, right? So that lust is inside of me. That's where it, all of our problems begin with what, with the, what's inside of us. Christians always want to focus that the problems begin with that which is external to us. I believe Christianity is better understood that the problem is what lies within us. And what's in me is lust, greed, selfishness, slothfulness, hatred, bitterness, just, just all kinds of dirt and garbage is inside of me and is inside of you. I don't care how well you dress it up. You can put on all the fig leaves you want. You can put on all the robes of self-righteousness you want. And you can, I think you're better than anyone else. But I'm telling you, inside of you, Oh, there's some messed up stuff, no matter how much you want to deny it. It's deep down. It's there. All right? That's just so important. All right? So every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then lust, when it hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. All right? So that's the way that they, they say that it works. Let's go through this again. All right, hang on. Uh, for some reason, Siri turned on. 
Okay, Siri is over on the other iPad talking to me. I have no idea why. <laughs> Siri was trying to look up James chapter 1, verse 15. Okay, so, so Siri was drawn away by her internal mechanisms. I don't know what in the world was going on there. That was weird. Okay, so let's read this again. James 1, 14. There's something uh, in this verse that uh, Siri thinks uh, needs to be discussed. That's, that's actually kind of funny. All right, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So they, this verse came to their mind in this discussion. Let's see what they do with this. Let's see what they do with this. All right, here we go. Let's go back to the, to the email. All right. But when I heard that, my mind flashed on the idea from James 1.15, which talks about how sin and death can be traced back to an initial evil desire that has been given birth and grown larger. Now, here is the last paragraph where they ask a question. Here we go. Might it be true that if our emotions... Let me read this again. Might it be true that if our emotions, which are evil desires, were better heated and reflected initially, then maybe we sh- wouldn't let those emotions take root and grow into sin, death, that perhaps we could renew our minds and be transformed as, as not to be held captive to the roller coaster of them. Now this, I think, I think they may be onto something here. So, so let me, uh, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, now I've got to do a lot of, uh, guessing here, right? Whenever you're responding to an email, there's a lot of things you don't know, right? So you, so I've got to try to fill in some of the gaps here of, of exactly how they perceive this. So I may be completely a thousand miles away from where they are, but I, I love the email because it at least got me thinking about this. So let me try to see if we can work through this. Here's, here's what I, I think, all right? Or at least I think how it should work. And you can tell me whether you agree. I first and foremost, we must acknowledge, I think any and any moving forward as a Christian trying to stop being mean Christians or whatever other negative things are there, if we're going to have any victory, any spiritual growth, any move forward in sanctification, I think we have to first acknowledge, first and foremost, what lies within us, which is sin and depravity. So many Christians want to act like that, 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 that it's all gone. It's just all removed, and, and I, I just completely... I disreg- that teaching is just 2,000 years of church history shows that the church and Christians, we, we do all kinds of things wrong. We sin. There's just so much sin in the lives of Christians, no matter how much we want to cover it up and pretend it's not there. It's there. You can start trying to throw everyone you, you know who makes Christianity look bad out of the kingdom of God, but sooner or later, you're going to look in the mirror one day, you're going to be throwing yourself out of the kingdom of God. Our salvation is often imputed righteousness, not an infused righteousness, all right? That's so important. All right, so we have to start with the reality. Man, there is some messed up stuff inside of us. Number two, I think we have to definitely acknowledge that any emotion or feeling that it arises within us cannot be trusted and nor should it be followed because it is corrupted and tainted by the sin that lies from within us. So it can mislead us and deceive us. We can feel that something is right 
when it is wrong, we can feel something is wrong when maybe it is right. We can feel justified when we should be condemned. We can feel condemned when we should be feel justified. Just, just so many, we can feel confused, discouraged, depressed. We can feel like God abandoned us. We can feel like people hate us when they actually don't. Our feelings are all over the place and they're constantly misleading us. So I don't think we can trust our feelings. However, I do think we should be aware and at least acknowledge what we are feeling. See, I think it's it's one thing to say, hey, you can't trust your feelings. It's another thing to say, just completely ignore them. Feelings can't be ignored. We have to see what we're feeling, acknowledge it, because this person is right. That internal situation will be the thing that will basically arise, give birth to the very action which we want to avoid. It usually starts inside. We've got to be willing to acknowledge and deal with what's inside, but the church in many cases won't allow that to occur. Because if you're like, hey, uh, I need, I need, uh, I know we're in a small group. There's just a few of us. So this is where we can be open and honest, right? Well, here's the thing. I got this feeling and this desire inside that's not very good. In fact, this desire is, I literally want someone to die. I hate them. I wish their car would crash and they would be paralyzed. You know, if you say that, everybody in the small group would probably be like, <gasps> but maybe that's a real feeling you have. Now, you've got to acknowledge the feeling. Now, you've got to take that feeling and bring it into captivity and say, this feeling does not, is not consistent with the word of God. But you've got to be willing to acknowledge it. You've got to be willing to be open with it. So many times it's within Christianity, I think it's pretending that the bad feelings aren't there. Let me give you an example. This is going to be controversial. But I, I get really sick of this and really tired of this in certain segments of Christianity. I, in fact, I grow so weary of it that whenever I see an article or see someone commenting on an article that puts forth this idea, well, my feelings become not so good. I get very, very upset. So I want you to listen here. We have sirens in the background. Hopefully everything is okay in that situation. If you want to take a minute to pray about that situation, feel free to do so. Sounds like, um, I'm listening, that sounds like fire truck probably, maybe an ambulance, okay, ambulance or fire truck, so let's hope that uh, whatever is happening, let's pray that uh, the people are okay and everything will be all right. I don't want to just ignore that because that, that's real life going on behind. Right here, we're dealing with a lot of theoretical, but that's real life. Someone's life is right now something probably negative has occurred, maybe a car accident, maybe a medical emergency. But yeah, so, all right. Now, now, so I want to get back to this. I think this is very important because this is something that I think is very much connected with this. And you, some of you are going to immediately disagree with me and that's okay, but I want you to think it through. You ready? Here we go. There is a teaching that's becoming more and more prevalent within certain circles of the evangelical church that goes something like this. If you become a Christian, let's say you were a practicing homosexual involved in a homosexual relationship and you become a Christian, 
According to this teaching in some evangelical churches, the minute you become a Christian, all of those desires and all of those feelings for a homosexual relationship or for a homosexual physical, you know, relationship, that's going to immediately go away. And if you continue to have those desires and you continue to have those feelings, you cannot be saved. That is the most utterly absurd, ungodly illogical, irrational, foolish, hateful, despicable, pathetic thing I've ever heard in my life. And here's the reason I know it's all of those things, because there are non-homosexuals, heterosexuals. And guess what's true of me when I became a Christian? Guess what's still inside of me? Lust, anger, hate. There's all kinds of feelings and desires inside of me and inside of you because the sinful nature continues. So why is it, why would someone who's a, who has homosexual desires, why would you think that when they become a Christian, it just magically goes away and it's replaced with heterosexual desires? Like that is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of in my life. No, that person may continue to struggle with those desires and those feelings for the rest of their life. Just as a heterosexual continues to struggle with lust, desire, all kinds of desires and feelings that are unbiblical their entire life. Now, what is what are we supposed to do? You cannot, you don't allow those lusts and desires to grow till they become action or sin. So you have to take them into captivity, hold, in a sense, pray, not, not engage in them and seek to, to transform your mind and pray that God would change those desires. But the, there's always, put it this way, you can, even that is a really a misnomer. I shouldn't even say it that way. You can say, well, I'm going to pray that God will change my desires. Well, if it was that simple, then we would all just pray, Lord, change my desire that I would never want to sin again. And then nobody would ever sin again because nobody would have a desire to do so. 2000 years of church history proves that has never worked. <laughs> Not one time, because Christians still contain a desire to sin, a desire for self-exaltation, self-worship, self-gratification, self-pleasure. All right, that those, those desires will always remain inside of us. The key is to acknowledge them. Don't deny them. Don't ignore them. Don't dress them up in fig leaves. Say, the desire is real. The desire is here. Uh, but I know I cannot engage, I can't allow that desire to grow until it turns into action. So uh, listen, I think we have to acknowledge the depravity. We have to acknowledge the depravity. We have to realize we cannot trust those feelings and emotions and desires, but we cannot ignore them and act like they do not exist. We need to be very in tune to them, right? You got to be like, man, there's, there's, Whatever, whatever the feeling is, whether, whatever the desire is, whatever the lust may be, what, you just have to go, man, there's something going on. That's not a good thing. That's not, and you gotta, you gotta take it into captivity right then and there. You gotta, and you gotta just be honest with the Lord. Hey, Lord, this, I'm telling you, uh, this desire is there. 
Now, don't, don't, don't think that as soon as you say that, it's going to go away. It's not necessarily going to go away. You're going to have to struggle with it. Now, you may have to go find someone else, a Christian you can trust, not someone who's going to put you on blast on social media or stab you in the back. Try to find someone you can trust to say, hey, I just want you to know, man, I, this, this desire is not good, but it is there. Whatever that desire may be. It could be for an inappropriate emotional relationship with someone you know. It could be it could be a desire for an inappropriate physical relationship. It could be a desire for uh, that that there's just bitterness and there's unforgiveness. There's hatred. It could be even a, a feeling of you're just you're you're just beginning to question and and not even care about the things of God. You've got to be able to confess and acknowledge that. Mean Christians, I don't think exist simply because there's a disconnect between their emotions. I think mean Christians exist because they're depraved. However, and I think I think a lot of times Christians who are just mean and a jerk, they wouldn't even know it or even acknowledge it if you confronted them on it. They wouldn't probably wouldn't even see it. They probably don't even realize it. But I do think that we have to be. I, I think I don't think there's a disconnect between emotions and Christians. I think Christians are just taught that those emotions should not be there. Therefore, you pretend like they're not there. And even if you know deep down that they're there, you're told never to talk about it or speak of it because you can't be very real within Christianity. Christianity is so much about performance art, being and performing and being something that we're not. But look, the world, look, the Bible clearly acknowledges the problems within Christians. Again, look at the church of Corinth. How many different issues was going on there? You say, well, that was an anomaly. Give me a break. That's been true for 2,000 years within the church. So we have to, we don't trust our emotions. We don't follow those emotions, but we got to be very in tune to, oh man, what's going on inside of me? Man, I'm just, man, I'm not Man, I'm, those feelings are just not good. Or, or you can you can attach this to thoughts, feelings. Just you you just got to be in tune with it. Doesn't mean you dwell and dwell and dwell on it. Just when you see, when you feel it, when you hear it, when you when you see, feel it in your mind and your thoughts, you've got to go. Oh man, this is the beginning of a problem. Because again, as James one, which is very interesting, they pointed this article, this uh, verse out. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Right there, it's inside of me, and when that lust conceives, when that when that when that thing going on inside is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. The issues always start inside of us. We have to be willing to acknowledge it. All right, and then they end their email with, "What do you think?" Well, I just spent thirty-seven minutes telling you what I think. I hope it helped. <laughs> Thanks always for sharing your teaching and reflections. Well, thank you for emailing me because that just provided a great discussion that I hope helps someone. I feel like I need some dramatic conclusion, but there is no dramatic conclusion. Other, I just kind of left it there and you can tell me what you think. But that, these, so many of the programs I do, they really are designed for just that to happen. For, for someone to respond, for someone for someone to enter. I always feel like that I leave so many programs and my mind are not complete. It's like half of a circle. And then when you interact with it, then that gives me the ability to close the circle. 
because so many times I, I feel like I'm just kind of throwing out the idea, hoping that someone's someone out there is thinking about it and discussing it. I hope that even if that discussion and thoughts do not return to me in an email or you know someone tells me, I hope it is still that discussion and thinking is happening somewhere, wherever you are, your home, your car, small group, work, wherever. I hope that it sparks that kind of those thoughts and discussions uh, as we, as Christians, I mean, all, we're all trying to figure out the Christian life together. We're all struggling, trying to live it out to the best of our ability. And hopefully these programs spark, well, discussion that benefits you. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I do apologize for Siri interrupting us. I, I, that was just so weird. I said something and, and next thing you know, she's over there quoting a part of James. It was really weird to hear Siri quoting James chapter one, parts of James chapter one to you when you're trying to, t- when you're trying to do a little bit of an explanation on James chapter one. That was really uh, odd and funny, but there you go. All right. Thanks for listening. I'll be back on the air here shortly. God bless.